invite you to take your Bible and go to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 5. Joshua 1 says this. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto a land which I will give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I'll give unto you as I've said unto Moses. For from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the high tides, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with thee. Folks, you can put your name in there. Amen? As I was with Moses, I'll be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I want to talk to you about a new year and a new start. A new year and a new start. I love the new year because the new year says that we can begin again. We can start new. We can have fresh aspirations. We can have fresh goals. Every year in my personal life, in my family life, in our church life, we sit down and we set goals because 95% of people never write out their goals. 95%. We spend more time planning a vacation than we do planning our lives. 95% of people never write out their goals, even though it's very biblical according to Habakkuk 2 and 2. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. But here's what's in interesting. 95% never write out their goals, but of the 5% who do, they achieve 95% of their goals. So there's power in having a new year and having a new start. I read about a lady a poem about a lady who apparently wanted a new start. She said, my ex-husband and I fought constantly. Why I married him, I'll never know. For those miserable years, I said, my hubby has to go. I tried poisoning cakes, stripping his brakes, salting his pork chops with lime, wiring his chair, igniting his hair, even though playing with fire is a crime. I failed every plot till suddenly I thought of a way that would set me free. I got rid of him for good, and you know not what? They couldn't do a thing to me. I took him back to Walmart. They'll take anything back, you know. They said they couldn't remember selling him but okay if I said so. They credited him to my visa and said, y'all come back now, you hear? They were so nice, polite, and pleasant, I took his mother the next year. <laughs> They'll take anything at Walmart, though it's broken, rotten, or sweet. And you know what else? This time of year, they don't even need a receipt. Well, some of us need to start anew, perhaps like that lady. Some of us, we need to start anew in our family life. Some of us in our spiritual lives. Some of us in our careers. 
some of us in our parenting, some of us even in our health. I heard about one lady who she started anew by joining the gym. And she contacted the gym and she said, I've joined, I'm excited about joining. What do you recommend that I wear? And they said, well, you need to wear loose clothing. She said, if I had loose clothing, I wouldn't need the gym. <laughs> well, how do you have a, how can you have a new start this year? I think the principles, and always remember this, folks. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods are always changing, but principles never do. It's the principles of the Word of God. It's the convictions of the Word of God that you can mortgage everything on. It's what God said. Somebody said, you've got to tell yourself positive things. No, no, no. You've got to tell yourself what God said about you. You've got to tell you yourself what the Word of God says. So how do, we, how do we have a new start in a new year? Well, let me give you three principles. Number one, you've got to embrace your future. You've got to embrace your future. That's what Joshua did. If you look at verse 2, this is what the Bible says. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know what Joshua realized? Joshua realized that Moses was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. He realized that Moses was probably the greatest leader ever. But he also realized Moses is dead. He realized Mo's dead, and he's not coming back. And he said, I have no choice but to bury Moses and embrace the future. I know tons of people that need to bury Moses. They need to bury Moses. Now, they're not going to have a good 2018 because they hadn't gotten past 2008. And some of them hadn't gotten past 1988 because they've never buried Moses. Let me tell you four things that we need to bury. First of all, we need to bury our guilt. We need to bury our guilt. I want you to know something. God didn't come to rub your sins in. He came to rub them out. That that you're always being reminded of, that's not coming from God. That's coming from the devil. That's coming from the devil. And the devil wants you to live a life controlled by guilt. There was a man said to me on one occasion, Pastor, I've confessed something to God a thousand times, and I'll never forget what I said to him. I said, that's 999 times too much because God forgave you the very first time you asked him. See, folks, the Scripture says in 1 John 1 and 9 that if we confess our sins, that means agree with God. Confess means to agree. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And anything that you can remember, God can forget. And God doesn't want us to live a life of beating ourselves up over something we've done in the past. God's a loving God, and oh, happy day, thank God, he's a forgiving God. And you don't have to live with that guilt because if a perfect, if the perfect Son of God can forgive you, forgive yourself. Don't make your standard higher than God's standard. Don't make your standard higher than God's standard. Embrace the future. How do you embrace it? You've got you've to bury guilt. I'll tell you something else. You've got to bury grief. You've got to bury grief. If you keep on talking about how you've been hurt or how you've been wronged, you're just hurting yourself. See, 
God wants us to embrace the future, and he does not want us to be controlled by grief. See, the Bible says, yea, though I walk through. Yea, though I walk through. You see, Pastor Benny, I lost somebody that's very dear to me. Will I get over it? God didn't want you to get over it. God didn't want you to get over the wonderful person that person was, but God does want you to get through it. God wants you to get through it. I remember I, I lost someone very dear to me. The closest thing I would have had to a father, I never had a father, but this man believed in me. He was a stepfather after I was grown. And I remember when he passed, I came back home, and for, for quite, a, quite a while, I just moped around. I, I just, just moped around. And finally, one day, Barbara said to me, my wife, she said, is that what Don would have wanted? Is that what God would want? And I said, no, that's not what he would want because he's bore our grief and he's carried our sorrow. Folks, let me tell you something. It's, it's okay to remember, but we can't relive. If you've got a pulse, God's still got a plan for your life. And though your heart may twist and turn, and though your heart may throb and ache, it's in my soul, I'm glad I know. Our God makes no mistake. And he makes all things beautiful in his time, so we got to bury the guilt, and we got to bury the grief. But I'll tell you something else. we got to bury the glory. we got to bury the glory. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I know men that are 60 years old that are talking about when they played high school football. I mean, really? If you do that, don't, don't sleep on your side tonight. Your brains will roll out your ears. I know you were salesman of the year five years ago, but it's time to get past that. Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I remember reading a baseball pitcher's testimonial that his life was baseball. And after he retired, he didn't know how to function because he was so caught up in his career. And he gave this testimony. He said, all those years, I thought I was gripping the ball, but the ball was gripping me. All those years. So we bear our guilt, we bear our grief, we bear our glory. But let me tell you something else. We need to bury our grudges. We need to bury our grudges. You can't, you can't hold on to a grudge. You know, folks, let me, let me tell you. you say, Pastor Benny, uh, in your life, in some aspects, have you forgiven your father and your mother? I, I have. Because what I had to realize, folks, if I didn't forgive them, it was hurting me. Worse than they hurt me. What I did to me was worse than what they did to me. And see, folks, if you hold on to a grudge, it destroys you. It destroys you. I, I read about a lady named Hazel Von Jackie, 94 years old. Apparently, she carried a grudge till she died. And even at her funeral, she said, I want no male pallbearers. This old maid, she was never married. I want no male pallbearers. She said, if they wouldn't take me out while I was living, I don't want them to take me out while I'm dead. <laughs> Richard Nixon was correct. Richard Nixon was correct. He said, it doesn't, hate, it doesn't hurt me for people to hate me until I start hating them back. See, I have no enemies. You say, oh, Brother Benny, you ought to talk to some of the people I talk to. 
I have no enemies. You said, Pastor Ben, what do you mean you have no enemies? Because I refuse to get on that level. Because I realize it only hurts me. See, we need to embrace the future. We need to be like the, the guy, the old guy that said, I've had two bypass surgeries, a hip replacement, new knees, fault prostate, cancer and diabetes. I'm half blind, can't hear anything quieter than a jet engine, take 40 different medications that make me dizzy, winded, and subject to blackouts. I have bouts of dementia, poor circulation, hardly feel my hands and feet anymore. I can't remember if I'm 85 or 92. I've lost all my friends through death. But thank goodness, I still have my driver's license. <laughs> you know what he was doing? He was embracing the future. And God wants us to embrace the future. But I'll tell you something else he wants us to do. He wants us to enlarge our faith. Enlarge our faith. What I mean by that, don't be a small thinker. Don't be a small thinker. Since we got to think anyway, why not think big? Why not think big? See, I love what verse 4 says. God said, Joshua, I'm going to give you this promised land, and it's going to be from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. Joshua thought big. See, the Bible says in Matthew 9 and 29, notice what it says. It says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Not, not according to your family. Not according to your finances. Not according to your fate. But according to your faith, be it unto you. Did you ever think about when Jesus said, put your nets out. For a great catch of fish, the only thing that determined the size of their catch was the size of their nets. The only thing that determined the size of the catch was the size of the net. If they had faith. And you know what I pray God will do? I pray God will do this for us in 2018. I pray he'll enlarge our faith. And I pray we'll believe God for bigger things. You say, Pastor, is this scriptural? Look at what Ephesians 3 and 20 says. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You know what he said? He said, no matter how big you can think, I'm able to exceed that. No matter how large you think, I'm willing and able to exceed that. So, folks, if you're a small thinker, not many big things are going to happen. But if you believe God for big things, God can do big things because God is a big God. Amen? You said, Pastor, wait. How, how can I want to I enlarge my faith? How can, I, how can I do that? Number one, you've got to stretch your faith. You've got to stretch your faith. I love what Oliver Wendell Holmes said. He said, a man's mind, once stretched by a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. You've got to stretch your faith. Get around people that's going to stretch your faith. And then number two, you've got to raise your expectancy. Look what verse 3 says. He said, 
every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. He said, Joshua, you've got to raise your expectancy. You've got to believe that good things are going to happen in your life. What I would say to people, folks, quit looking for bad things to happen in your life. Believe that good things are going to happen in your life. Believe that God's a good God and he's going to do blessings and he's going to do wonderful things for you this year because, by the way, he is going to do wonderful things for you this year. You've got to raise your expectancy and say, God, I'm a child of God. He's going to do good things for me this year. You know what we need to be? We need to be like that 90-year-old man that got married and started looking for a house in a good school district. Amen? Raise your expectancy. And then number three, you got to live in God's favor. You got to live in God's favor. You say, now, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm favorable or I'm favored. Let, let me explain. You know why you have the favor of God in your life? And you need to understand it and you need to live like God's favor is on you because you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of the Most High God. Uh, uh, Savannah Abigail came home for Christmas, and uh, she said, you know what I'd like for Christmas, Mom? And her mother said, what what would you like for Christmas, Savannah? She said, I would like for one of these uh, vacuum cleaners. You just, it's a robot. You just turn it on, and uh, it just vacuums your house. And Barbara said, what are you? No, I said, no, no, no. She can get up off her backside and vacuum her own house. No, 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 no. No, no, no. She don't need a robot to vacuum the house. She can, she can vacuum the house. But you know what? Christmas morning came, and she opened up a package. And for some reason, I wanted her to have that thing that vacuums the house. Now, now, listen to me very closely. Listen to me very closely. I, I didn't buy your child one. I, I didn't buy you one. You know why I bought her one? Because she's my child. She's the only child I've got. Oh, folks, it'd be a great day when we realize that we're a children of the Most High God. We're children of the Most High God. Oh, wait, there's, there's nothing good about me. Matthew 7 11 says this. It says, if ye then being evil, so God said I'm evil. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good gifts to them that ask him? If I want to do that for Savannah, how much more does God want to do things for you because you're a child of God. Let me tell you something, folks. Sometimes I'll run into people and you say, oh, that's just coincidence. I said, no, 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 that's not coincidence. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. Sometimes I'll pull up at a, a place and there'll be a parking place right up front and I'll say, that's the favor of God. You're just watching over me. You're just watching over me. Sometimes I'm at the dollar store, dollar general store, and I'm thinking, my goodness, they need more cashiers. And about that time, they'll say, another line's opening up right now. I'll say, that's just the favor of God. That's just God's goodness and blessing on us. Sometimes I'm in a restaurant and they'll say, oh, so-and-so picked up your meal. I say, oh, Lord, that's just your favor. You're just so good to us. Folks, want to stop right now and just praise him for being good to us. 
We need to embrace the future. You need to enlarge your faith. I do too, but let me tell you something. You need to engage your foe. You need to engage your foe. Now, I want you, oh, goodness, I, I want you to look at verse 5. There shall not be any man, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with thee. I'll not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now, wait. They're getting ready to go. Keep that verse up, guys. They're getting ready to go into the promised land, and God said, Nobody's going to be able to stand against you. Now, wait, get this. The moment they went into the promised land, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the termites, I mean, literally, seven nations attacked them when they went into the promised land. But look here. The fight was fixed before it started. <laughs> the fight was fixed before it was started because God said there'll not be any man be able to stand against you. Now listen, I don't know what the foe is in your life. I don't know what the foe is in your life. But I want you to know this. The fight is fixed because Satan was defeated 2,000 years ago at Calvary when Jesus became triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And here's what I want you to get. God is greater than your past. God is greater than your giant. God is greater than your addiction. God is greater than your problem because if God be for us, who can be against us? If it wasn't for my Methodist dignity, I'd shout, if God be for us, who can be against us? If a mosquito would bite me right now, it would leave singing, there's power in the blood. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. That means we're mega conquerors. That means we're super conquerors. That means the fight is fixed. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm trying to quit. Let me tell you something. Oh, mercy. Let me tell you. Oh, folks. Let me. If somebody is hunting a dry, lifeless church, this is not it. If you want a church with a snowman in the pulpit, there'll be icicles in the pews. That's not us. I wish. I wish I could just speak softly. <laughs> I try to. I want to be some orator expositor, but I just get into it and I lose control. <sighs> let, me, let, let me tell you something. God is with you. God's with you. He's with us. In verse 5, he said, I'm with you. <laughs> Just as I was Moses, I'll be with you. You can put your name in there. Let me tell you something, folks. The Holy Spirit, when Joshua was leading those children of Israel into the promised land, the Holy Spirit would come upon Joshua for a task. He would come upon Joshua for a task. The Holy Spirit does not come upon us. 
He's within us. There's a verse that just tears me out of the frame. It's Romans 8 and 11. Folks, let me tell you something. If, if you get this verse cemented in your heart, you'll rejoice and shout all the way home. If you get this verse cemented in your heart, you'll never be the same. But if the, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Oh, gosh. Jesus in a tomb three days, but the Holy Spirit lifted him up out of that tomb. And he become tri- became triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Hell was having a party, but folks, he broke the party up. He broke the party up. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Now wait. That spirit dwells in me. Am, am I, folks, am I preaching the book? Somebody tell me, that spirit dwells in me. And you tell me you can't overcome addiction. And you tell me you can't overcome malice. And you tell me you can't overcome hatred. And you can't overcome strife. You tell me that that man or that woman can be filled with the Spirit of God and have to get a divorce. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. The power of the Holy Spirit can make you love your wife like you never loved her before. The power of the Holy Spirit can make you love your husband. Oh, you say, Pastor Benny, he's just a chunk. Oh, but he can become your hunk through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh. oh. You say, Pastor Benny, she's just an old nag. But let me tell you something. If you get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll start treating that nag like a thoroughbred, and she'll be different. I don't know what's got on me this morning. Let me tell you something. God's with us. Let me tell you something. For your foe, whatever your foe is, I'm almost done. Whatever your foe is, whatever your foe is. I remember years ago, Savannah went to the prom. It's kind of like her first date, first one I knew about anyway. <laughs> Little boy came to the house and going to prom, and I said, before you go, I want to get a picture, get a picture. And I had my camera in my pocket, and I reached and pulled out my 38. <laughs> I said, the wrong pocket. Put it back. Never did have any problems out of that boy. <laughs> but let me tell you something. We've got some weapons for your foe. So, Pastor, Benny, give them to me right quick. I'm going to hit them off right quick, and I'm done. Here's your weapons. Number one is the Word of God. Verses 7 and 8, Word of God. Number two is prayer. D.L. Moody said these words. Well, he, let me quote the, first, the Scripture first in Thessalonians. Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. But D.L. Moody said this. D.L. Moody said, I never prayed long prayers, but I never went long without prayer. What is praying without ceasing? You said, Pastor... Do you spend an hour or two in prayer every day on your knees? I don't. Now, I have my time with God every day. But how do you pray without ceasing? I try to constantly be in a spirit of prayer. I'm at the gym early this morning. I'm running. I'm praying. If I'm driving, I'm praying. 
I don't shut my eyes. <laughs> but I'm praying. So you're praying? No, no, no. God, God just brings something to my mind. I just pray about it. Something comes to your mind, just pray about it. That's what praying without ceasing is. And it's a weapon. You say, Pastor, I can't overcome this. Yes, you can through prayer. And then lastly, folks, fasting. Fasting. Matthew 17 and 21 says this. How be it this kind goeth out but by prayer and fasting? There are certain things. Let me ask you. If Jesus could have done everything he needed to do without fasting, why did he fast? Sometimes, folks, when you can't seem to get an answer, put fasting with your prayer. If it's just one meal, if it's just one day, put fasting with your prayer. A new year. A new year. I got to embrace the future. Got to enlarge my faith. Got to engage my thoughts. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.